delighted to have with us today uh, our par party leadership, First Minister designated Michelle O'Neill and Sinn Féin party president Mary Lou Macdonald. And the purpose of our visit today to Brussels is to engage with uh, the Commission in the form of Vice President Commissioner uh, Mara Shevkovic and to also engage with senior parliamentarians during the course of the day. Um, the, the, the purpose of the visit in that regards is going to be an update on the most recent election in the north of Ireland, the need to restore the executive and other issues relating to the protocol and post-Brexit. So what I'm probably going to do is firstly invite Mary Lou and Michelle to maybe give a brief overview and then we'll start taking questions from the floor. Thanks very much, Chris. And um, as has been said, we're here to meet with the Commission uh, to meet with parliamentarians and to set out our stall once again in respect of the need to establish government in Belfast in the north uh, of Ireland without any further delay. It is quite outrageous that 28 days out from an election, a historic election, it has to be said, that people are still left without government. And in fact, the Democratic Unionist Party, with the active assistance of Boris Johnson and his government, are essentially holding society to ransom. Uh, it's made all the more outrageous in the context of the cost of living crisis that citizens are living through. Michelle will say a few words in a moment. She has been returned in that historic election as the First Minister designate and the historic uh, importance and significance of that I'm sure is not missed by anybody. Change is alive, well and palpable right across the island uh, of Ireland. The, the election returned a majority, a strong majority in favour of the protocol. Uh, I think it's important to say that the protocol is working. It's important to say that too. Uh, we are very well aware that the Commission has invested very significant time, has worked constructively, we have to say, in order to address those issues that have arisen in respect of the implementation of the protocol. And that work has to continue, but it can only bear fruit if it is met with a British government that is constructive and that acts in good faith. As we are speaking here this afternoon, you are all aware that the British government uh, intend to act in bad faith, uh, intend to act unilaterally, intend to break international law, intend to break their word. It has to be said not for the first time. These are very alarming and unacceptable developments. And it's very important that all of us, that uh, Dublin, that uh, all of Europe, but, but also the solidarity from the United States of America and the clarity of message around protection of the Good Friday Agreement, the necessity of the protocol that, that we maintain uh, cohesion and clarity on that message. And of course, Boris Johnson must and the British government must come off this very, very destructive path because they put in peril, they put in jeopardy the peace uh, and the Good Friday Agreement settlement that we have all built so painstakingly over decades. And we find that cavalier attitude to be, I mean, reckless and utterly unacceptable. And we've told Mr Johnson that very, very clearly. Do you want to open it up to the floor now? Or? Okay, yeah. whatever you think, Michelle. Okay, we'll take questions from the floor either through our 
hybrid system or indeed here within the room? Sorry, uh, we'll take them in maybe in, in twos or threes. Naomi and then... Hi, thanks very much, Naomi O'Leary, Irish Times. So the purpose of your visit here to meet with the Commission, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the Commission to give more on the protocol to find a deal? Do you think they need to offer more? Or do you think that, that actually it's the British government that's causing the problem here and they actually need to take a tougher line? What do you think? We take the other question as well, please, and we maybe... Yes, uh, Thomas Miglierina from the Swiss Broadcasting Corporation. I was reading your comments from a few days ago about... Uh, uh, the reunification progress uh, process in, in Ireland. I was wondering whether that may be part of the discussions with uh, uh, Vice President Shevchevich as well or not. Thanks. Okay. So I start with just in terms of so Naomi's question. Um, the British government are absolutely the problem and they're cynically using the people of the North in their game of chicken with the European Commission or with the European project. Um, we now are 28 days post our recent election, a very historic election. And at this point, the democratic outcome of that election is yet to be respected. The DUP are blocking formation of government and they're being aided and abetted in that by the British government, who have now threatened unilateral action uh, to override parts of the protocol, the very agreement which they themselves uh, signed up to. And they are dishonest with the truth because the protocol is working. All the economic data backs that up. Um, the economy in the north is actually outperforming that in Britain and I would suggest that's perhaps what the British government would like to cover up. Um, I think that our message here today is that agreed solutions are the only way forward. Unilateral action and the approach of the British government is rejected roundly by those of us who have just been elected in the recent election because there are 90 elected MLAs to the local assembly. 53 of those are for the protocol. The majority of those are anti-Brexit, but yet it's been foisted upon us. So when I hear the British government talk about the need for consensus around the protocol or that, you know, certain community haven't consented to Brexit, there was no consent or, no, or to the protocol. There's no consent to Brexit and it's from its very outset. So what our appeal, I suppose, directly today is what's required is certainly instability. We recognise that the European Commission have been flexible. They've been very pragmatic in terms of finding solutions whenever issues have been identified. And we also recognise that the very mechanism in which to deal with the areas that I've identified as being problematic, perhaps, are is already built into the protocol itself in the form of the Joint Committee. That's where solutions should be found, not unilateral action in Britain, as uh, Boris Johnson has threatened to do. So uh, we're grateful for the approach of the Commission the whole way through, and we encourage that pragmatism, the flexibility, and let's try to get certainty, because that's what we desire. And uh, on the question uh, that was put in, in terms of today's uh, meeting, meet, a series of meetings are, are very uh, strongly focused on the, the immediacy of the need for government in the north of Ireland, the need to find those agreed solutions for the implementation of the protocol and to urge the Commission to continue its work uh, and to insist that the British government respond and match that willingness to find solutions and to act in uh, good faith. Of course, the atmosphere and the, the reality of change all across Ireland, I think, is self-evident. We saw it in the recent election. 
an election in which Sinn Féin emerged as the largest party. And for the first time, we have a Republican, a nationalist uh, as first minister designate. I mean, that is extremely significant because, as you know, the northern state at the time of partition was specifically engineered to ensure that those two things would never happen. But they have. Um, so, of course, in our conversations uh, domestically, but internationally also, people have an eye on the future and the question of what next uh, for Ireland. Um, and it is important that people are aware that change is underway. And in our view, that we will face into referendums on the constitutional question in the course of this decade. It's important that we realise that that has to be prepared for because we want any change to be orderly, peaceful and uh, democratic. But in the here and now, and as we speak today, the absolute priority is government in Belfast, the power-sharing uh, institutions, as Michelle to be said, to be re-established because we are acutely conscious that citizens expect at a time of deep uncertainty and at a time where the cost of living crisis is biting and biting hard, that they have leadership, that they have the kind of leadership that Michelle O'Neill uh, can provide. So that's, that's, our, um, that's our theme. And to reiterate again that the protocol is working. The protocol is working. The issues around implementation, Michelle has set out the only way in which those can be resolved and they can be resolved. But Boris Johnson needs to uh, get real um, and needs to engage in good faith uh, negotiations. I, I think that's the least that should be expected of the British state and the British government. Thank you. <coughs> Tony Connolly. Thanks very much. Um, I was wondering if you might respond to the remarks of Tony Blair uh, today saying that in his view now the protocol undermines the Good Friday Agreement. I mean, given that he was one of the former prime ministers who warned about the impact of Brexit on Northern Ireland and, and the border, um, he, he now seems to be joining this chorus from the British government that the protocol is undermining the Good Friday Agreement. And secondly, we're expecting legislation from the UK next week. If that legislation fairly starkly disapplies or threatens to disapply the protocol, what do you think the European Union should do in response? What, what, what would you like Maros Shevchevich to, to, what position should he take next week? Thank you. Take that yeah, uh, Jane McCormick online, please. Oh, sorry, Jane, you need to press the speak button. I've been informed. Sorry. Hello, can you hear me now? Sorry. Hi, Jane. Hi, Hi Jane. Yeah, we can Hello. hear you. Thank okay, you. Great. Um, just two questions, if I may. Um, one on the protocol, um, picking up on Tony's point. Um, I mean, Mara Shevchevich as well has been asked by Liz Truss to um, meet through the Joint Committee again. So if you picked up any sense from Brussels that they're prepared to do that anytime soon. And on just a separate note um, that I'll maybe address to, to Michelle, if that's okay. We've had Naomi Long um, here in Belfast, our Justice Minister, talking about an, uh, a forum to tackle online abuse against politicians, particularly women. I just wondered what Michelle's view was on that. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. So, uh, Tony, I, I hadn't actually uh, heard Tony Blair's comments, um, but let me respond to this idea 
that the protocol undermines the Good Friday Agreement. Nothing could be further from the truth. The facts are that Brexit caused a huge difficulty for the Good Friday Agreement settlement. We've said that consistently from the beginning, that Brexit and the Good Friday Agreement were incompatible and that we had to find me mechanisms to address that. The protocol is a consequence of Brexit. The protocol is widely supported, including by a majority of members of the Assembly in Belfast. The protocol is working. There is no requirement, as some within the British system would assert, for consensus or consent for the protocol. That's a complete misrepresentation of the facts. And the facts are also these, that the resolution to the issues, whether it's around checks, whether it's around paperwork, and the Commission have put forward proposals to be considered on those issues, as you well know. Uh, those uh, matters can only be addressed in good faith jointly by the British government and the European Commission. And it is wholly wrong for anybody to place uh, peace in Ireland, the institutions of government in the North, as a bargaining chip in that uh, negotiation. That's entirely um, wrong. So um, I, I think what we need at this stage is good faith negotiations. Uh, I, I'm conscious that we've been down this road before in the British Parliament where legislation was tabled and threatened and, and then mm -hmm. uh, didn't uh, come mm -hmm. to fruition. I can't speculate as to whether or not that scenario will be rerun. Um, I cannot speculate as to what the Commission's response might be to that legislation uh, if it runs its full course. But I can only imagine that there will be a response, there will be an international response to that. And there should be, because acts of good bad faith of that magnitude require a response. And it is very, very important that the entire British system understands that they cannot play games with Ireland. And Tony, you'll have heard to say this from the beginning. Uh, Brexit, uh, if, if, if Britain wished to Brexit, who are we to stop them? But it, we were clear from the get-go that Ireland could not be the collateral damage in the Tory Brexit. That was the position five years ago, six years ago, and it is the position today. And I think uh, for the British government and others to take seriously their responsibilities as co-guarantors of the Good Friday Agreement actually demands that all of us work very hard and in good faith to ensure that we get the smooth implementation of the protocol. That's the answer here. Yeah, and just to add, um, I think that Downing Street are very keen these days to talk about, you know, that they've uh, a pro-Good Friday Agreement agenda. But I would say that's very disingenuous because everything they're doing is actually designed to undermine the Good Friday Agreement. So their course is very much off path and off message and is not what the people uh, want to see at home. Uh, we did reject Brexit. We accept that it's here. We found mitigation in the protocol. Uh, Boris Johnson, at a point in time of this Brexit journey, has also stated the need to protect the Good Friday Agreement, which is why he apparently rejected the backstop and then went on to negotiate the next stage in the Brexit journey. So um, I think disingenuous is the, the tone of the day from Downing Street, I think, throughout the whole of the Brexit um, debate. And what undermines the Good Friday Agreement is their very approach um, and everything that they're doing, all of the unilateral action, whether that be in regards to the protocol, whether that be in dealing with the past, the legacy of the past, victims of the past, 
everything they're doing is about their own selfish interests, not about the interests of the people that um, that we certainly represent. So just to, to make that point, I think that um, the Jane made the point around the joint committee. I don't know is the answer to that question. I hope that we do have a joint committee sometime very, very soon because that is the forum in which we can achieve agreed ways forward to smooth the implementation of the protocol. Because again, there is a distinct lack of honesty in part of the British government when it comes to the protocol, because it is here to stay. But are there things that can be smoothed out, ironed out? Then yes, absolutely, and we're all up for that. But the best way to provide certainty and stability and going forward is actually if these are agreed ways forward, not the unilateral approach which the British government seem to be hell-bent on, on taking. Um, I think that, um, and sorry, the other thing I should say there is that that's the irony in everything that's being done. So we're 28 days post an election. 28 days with a democratic mandate, outcome of that election is yet to be uh, respected. It's being blocked by the DUP, it's being facilitated by the British government, um, all for something that actually can't even, is not even within the gift of the executive in which to actually solve this. It's the joint committee that needs to take this forward. And Secondly, Jane, just on your point around uh, online abuse, um, some of the abuse that particularly female representatives um, have to deal with day on daily is absolutely it's disgusting, um, is probably how I would describe it. Um, and absolutely any forum that allows us to come together to call that out, to challenge those that are particularly on social media platforms that are responsible for uh, moderating this, this stuff, I think it's really, really important. So I think that we need strong voices to call that out. We may be in public life, uh, we put ourselves forward, but that does not mean that you're a, it's a free uh, goal to attack you and, and abuse you day and daily. And some of the commentary, which is derogatory, which is vile, um, just has to be called out as misogynistic um, language quite often. Um, and I think it's just wrong. We must stamp it out. OK, thank you, Michelle. Any further questions from the floor? Naomi. Um, yeah, thanks. Just a quick one for you, Mary Lou MacDonald. Um, a defamation case that you took against RTE was flagged to the Council of Europe as a threat to press freedom and a slap. Um, can you respond to that? Well, I'm, I, I won't elaborate on the case because it will be before the courts. Uh, I will say freedom of the press is a very important value. It's a cornerstone of democracy and it needs to be defended. Um, and I don't regard that and the right of an individual to defend their reputation as a zero-sum game. I don't think it's one or the other. Um, and beyond that, I will not stray because it is now a matter for the courts. Okay, have we any further questions from the floor? Because we have one more online, if there are no more. Okay, uh, Fabian Lambeck, please. Uh, could you press your speak button? Yeah, that's me. Hello. As a, as a German journalist, um, I would ask you something for our um, German, uh, German readers. How long can the DUP really block all democratic process in Northern Ireland as they do now? Can they really do this until there will be re-election or do you think there will be some kind of agreement before? Okay, well, thanks for that, Fabian. I mean, uh, realistically, this impasse could continue for 24 weeks. It shouldn't continue for 24 weeks the people have voted they've voted in large numbers they've returned a majority of pro protocol parties they've elected polit politicians who should and who they want to work together they want us to be dealing with the practical day-to-day -day issues that actually are affecting people right now the cost of living crisis which is crippling so many households we have money to spend in our local government and we're being prevented from being able to spend that because of the actions of the DUP so 
Um, I hope that this doesn't continue, this shouldn't continue, and that's why the British government's role in terms of propping up the DUP and facilitating this behaviour isn't acceptable. So um, there shouldn't be any more delays. There should be an executive formed immediately without delay. Let's get on with governing for people. That's what they have elected us to do. And, and, and alongside all of that, we can find ways to ensure that we have a smooth implementation of the protocol. And we shouldn't imagine either, Fabienne, as, as some might, that we will simply sleepwalk our way through those 24 weeks and six months the, the prospect of that even without uh, an administration in Belfast uh, is really unthinkable. So I, I have no doubt that public pr pressure will mount. I have absolutely no doubt that those who came out to vote in very large numbers, by the way, it was a huge turnout. It was, uh, we're advised that the largest turnout since the, the vote on the Good Friday Agreement itself back in 1998. And there was a, a, a clear message to all of us that people want advancement, they want good government, they want partnership, and uh, I think anybody who defies that will, will feel a very strong public uh, backlash. Uh, but just to reiterate that uh, Boris Johnson, his administration in London needs to stop giving cover to the DUP because it is one party and one party alone that is preventing uh, government being formed under the leadership of Michelle O'Neill. Okay, Naomi, very quickly. No, just a quick question. Thanks very much. Um, if polls bear out, you may well be in uh, government north and south soon. Um, could you explain here with an international audience, how will your foreign policy differ to um, the Irish governments of the past? Obviously, Irish unity will be a priority. That's not a surprise. But apart from that, how will it differ? What will, what will be your top three, let's say, issues that you want to push on the international stage? Thanks. Well, uh, I, I think uh, a conversation has started around um, security policy, around how that advances at a European level. Uh, we will be very firmly asserting our Ireland's position as a non-aligned, as a military neutral. Uh, we want to see that uh, position recognised and embraced at a European level and internationally, not treated as an inconvenience, but recognised as uh, another string to the European diplomatic and security uh, bow. I, I won't elaborate on the Irish experience of colonisation and partition and conflict and all of that, but that's where we come from. So Irish foreign policy has to be true to that tradition, not in a passive way, in a very active way. Uh, we will be very firm on uh, issues around self-determination. I'm, I'm going to instance in particular the question of Palestine, um, because it is our firm view that we need international courage and leadership on that matter. It is clear that we have uh, an apartheid regime uh, that the Israeli state uh, actively confiscates land, actively discriminates um, and oppresses Palestinian citizens day and daily. I think Europe needs to be honest about that. And I think we need to exert maximum international pressure to bring that uh, conflict to a resolution, to a, a two-state uh, resolution. Um, and then I, I suppose, uh, without going through each and every each and every uh, scenario, um, just as Europeans, we're very conscious that there's a conversation, uh, not just around the future of Ireland, but about around the future of the 
European Union, the future of, of, of greater Europe, and we want to be uh, very active voices in all of that. Uh, for a Europe that is anchored and grounded in social justice, in equality, in human rights and the rights of citizens, recognising, of course, the, the imperative for economic progress and for prosperity, but for a, a European system that in the first instance is absolutely uh, and undeniably in, in the service of its citizens. And that, as you know, Naomi, is a very big discussion, but we look forward to being... Uh, part and parcel of that conversation. Let me finish by saying this. We don't take it for granted at all, at all, that we will be automatically returned to government in Dublin. I want to make that point. Uh, the uh, election is some way off. Uh, we're working extremely hard. Uh, we have done well. We will continue to work hard. And on the occasion of the next election, whenever that might be, we will ask the people in all humility to afford us the opportunity to be in government in the South for the, for the first time and to change uh, government, uh, I believe, profoundly um, if we're afforded that opportunity, but that's in the hands of the people. I, d I don't want anyone to imagine that there's any strut or arrogance at all amongst any of us on, the, on that score. Uh, thank you for that, Mary Lou. And it's been indicated to us that we need to bring the press conference to a conclusion because the room needs to be cleared for the next one at half past the hour and they need a few minutes for setup. So once again, thank you all for your attendance and your, your questions.